Hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined this week by Robert Winston and Jared Gardner. Gents, thank you for coming in. As always, it's been uh, that kind of year, but every weekend that we come out of, we say it's been a a defining weekend in the Northern Football Netball League. The weekend, as it was, uh, was action-packed. Robert, I know you obviously were out with me calling the game out at Waterview Recreation Reserve, where Panton Hill certainly made a big statement against a Mernda side that had won four games going in. Yes, thank you so much uh, for inviting me on to episode 14 of this fantastic NFNL podcast. Yes, it was a great uh, four-quarter display by Panson Hill. They certainly, uh, early on, Miranda had their measure, probably in the first 15 minutes, but as good sides do, they just slowly wore them down as the game went on. And really, in my opinion, they certainly stamped their authority on the Division Three competition. I, I like the game uh, from quite a few of their players. Um, it's hard to start from what, from what line you actually want to go to. But, yeah, I mean, right throughout their whole team, they've got got stars all over the park and along with Lorimer uh, I believe that those two sides obviously Lorimer uh, came from behind the other day uh, against the spirited collegian side uh, Altham collegians uh, Turtles uh, they were up for three quarters and uh, Lorimer as they do uh, they're 11 straight now and uh, the Justin Sherman boys are certainly doing uh, division three uh, headaches so uh, yeah look it was fantastic to watch that game v Mernda but uh, look uh to me, at the moment, so down to uh, two teams in Division 3. I would put a third one in there. I still think Kilmore's certainly more than up to I know they're equal on points with Panton Hill, but I just think their form as well keeps them right in the mix, I think, for mine. I think it's down to three to win the flag based on what we saw uh, probably at the weekend, but also throughout the, the opening three months. But I think those three have certainly opened up a gap in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Jared Gardner, thanks for coming in this week. Your thoughts on the weekend and anything in particular that stood out for yourself? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Samuel. I was out at the I was at Ben Freelay Oval on Saturday afternoon. I saw Hurstbridge um, with a comfortable 75-point victory over Lower Plenty and what I take from that is just anyone, it's going to be so hard to pick who's going to make finals. Those last two spots in, in Division 1 finals um, in the last couple of weeks of the season, it's it's so wide open. There's, um, I think there's about six teams that can that can fit into, that are going to need to fit into two spots on the ladder. So there's going to be some huge matches coming up um, in the latter part of the season. And there's going to be some real exciting games coming up. Absolutely, there is. You're spot on. It's it's almost impossible to try to work your way through the logjam. I think the season's been one that I think every time you think you've got it worked out, you don't. It's I, as simple I, as that. I, I, it just changes week by week. And there's, I think it's four points at the moment separating fourth down to ninth. Well, yeah, I think I think remember after probably about round seven or eight, we saw five teams kind of break away and we thought this is probably the top five and it's going to be set. But then... We've seen the resurgence from West Preston Lakeside and McLeod getting wins on the board. Uh, teams like Montmorency and, and Hurstbridge getting consecutive wins on the board. And, and now, as you said, there's only four points separating fourth and ninth on the ladder. And it's um, a, a great spot to be in and, and great to watch them on the footy league. It's certainly going to be an interesting run into finals. I think, uh, I guess my probably two big takeaways from the weekend were... One, the St Mary's Football Club absolutely belongs in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. They proved that last week by beating Banyul, but at times you can get that upset win and they can be discounted because you 
you know the excuses come that you know whoever you've beaten you know off their game or were due for a loss but to, to ba- then go to Thomastown and, and back it up and, and get another win against the side that desperately, desperately had to win to play you know to cement a spot in the top four just shows how far St Mary's has come and my other takeaway was I did get out to uh, uh, J.E. Moorpark on, on Sunday for a bit towards the end and, and just saw Greensboro up against West Preston Lakeside and they were challenged that was their biggest challenge they've had so far this year and to you know, put on 13 goals either side of half time. I mean, they are going to take some catching. Heidelberg obviously slipped up at the weekend. They do play each other this week, but the borough, I know the next two weeks have them against Heidelberg and North Heidelberg, but they've put a gap on everyone in terms of the latter three games ahead. But I just think in terms of their best versus the rest, it is a fair way ahead at the moment. So we'll go through all that and more with this episode to come. Before we do that, it is a really important week not only through the Northern Football Netball League, but right throughout the Australian community. It is NAIDOC week, uh, a week which celebrates Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and achievements. And this weekend also coincides with the Northern Football Netball League's Indigenous Round, which, as it has been for the past three years, is is being named after Sir Douglas Nichols. It is the 2019 Sir Douglas Nichols Round. Obviously, it's a name that's uh, synonymous with without uh, people throughout Australia. Um, one of the most revered figures in Australian history, and someone who epitomises, I guess, the spirit of of reconciliation. Uh, a brilliant athlete as well. We know of, of Sir Douglas's um, f- you know exploits on the football field. Um, first Indigenous Australian to represent Victoria at state level, yep. and then also what he did off the field as well. Um, you know, which included you know serving as the Governor of South Australia and the first Aboriginal person to be knighted. I mean, it's, um, as we said, one of the, the great figures in, in the Australian uh, in Australia's history. And um, this weekend, obviously, uh, bears his name, Sir Douglas Nichols Round. Obviously, the AFL's Indigenous Round also has for, for the past couple of years as well. But it's a great weekend on the Australian calendar and a weekend where the Northern Football Netball League also recognises the uh, the contribution of the Indigenous players and, and also the Indigenous officials in our game and uh, and celebrate that culture as well, which uh, obviously is, is near, near and dear to us as well, given the fact that one of our clubs, being the Fitzroy Stars, has such a, a long and proud history within the Indigenous community as well. Yeah, it's certainly great. Uh, it's fantastic uh, initiative by the league to get behind the Sir Douglas Nichols round. It's obviously uh, v Thomastown. That's something that's happened for the past few yeah. years, and and both clubs have, have really uh, got behind the cause. So the fact that he's being played at Sir, Doug- Sir Douglas Nichols Oval uh, down in Thornbury uh, really represents um, uh, what what the Indigenous culture means to the Australian community and and the recon- reconcil- reconciliation. More importantly. Um, as Fitzroy Stars came into the NFNL back in 2008. Absolutely. Um, after a long stint uh, of being in various other leagues, but they were uh, sort of um, not involved in, associated with any league for quite a while there, quite a few years. But it's great that they've been a pretty regular contender in finals over the years, in the last 11 years, um, especially in Division 2. And uh, certainly a great club within the northern community, which gives uh, Indigenous people an opportunity to, to represent uh, their culture and um, uh, get out there amongst the community um, 
through football. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and as you say, it's a, it's a big game to be played at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval this Saturday for the Fitzroy Stars and Thomastown uh, Football Netball Clubs as well. It's a game that they've held together for, I think, the best part of four or five years yeah, it's now. Yeah, about five years. As well. Um, I guess a, a small way that the Northern Football Netball League will celebrate Indigenous around as well is that uh, all clubs uh, with senior and men's football sides will this weekend use a, an Indigenous, especially designed Indigenous football as well. Um, so that'll you'll see that right throughout the, the grounds this weekend, senior and women's uh, football matches. Uh, obviously the, the NAIDOC uh, game as well between both Fitzroy Stars and Thomastown and leading into that game we were fortunate enough to catch up with Pastor Esme Bamblett who is the CEO of the Aborigines Advancement League she's also the president of the Fitzroy Stars Football Netball Club and Pastor Esme gave us an insight into what the round means and also what NAIDOC week means not only to Indigenous Australians but to Australians as a whole uh, going into such an important week on the Australian calendar here's Pastor Esme Bamblett Pastor Esme, thank you for your time this week. Obviously, it's a massive week. Obviously, in the Northern Football Netball League, we celebrate Sir Douglas Nichols' round, and obviously that coincides with NAIDOC week. Can you just give us, uh, I guess, a, a bit of an insight as to what the week entails? So it's a very busy week for our communities all over Australia. Um, we, ask, we celebrate that we are, have survived. We also commemorate the past. Um, NAIDOC week is a week of celebration. It was um, set aside to um, try to get a day of um, gazetted, a public holiday for um, National Aborigines Day. Um, we haven't achieved that, that yet, but we do have a week of celebration. We have a week of celebrating with both um, between ourselves as Aboriginal people, but also with non-Aboriginal people. It's a great opportunity for, for those non-Aboriginal people as well to, to get involved and, and there's a range of activities to support the local Aboriginal and, and Torres Strait Islander community. Can you just give us, I guess, an understanding as, as to what those activities may involve and, and how they can get involved in all of that? So with the Aborigines Advancement League, we had our flag raising today. That's always held on the Monday preceding, the first Monday in NAIDOC week. Um, so we have people come. We had about oh, three or 400 people attend our flag raising this morning at 9 o'clock, which was pretty good. We have our elders' luncheon tomorrow, so we bring elders together from all over Victoria. And we have an opportunity there for people to volunteer, to um, wait on them. And we have uh, up to 30 to 50 volunteers every time we have an elders' luncheon. And a lot of those volunteers are non-Aboriginal. We also have a... The Victorian Aboriginal Education Association Incorporation as a movie day um, for the children that's on today. There's a children's farm day that's had by the um, Aboriginal Housing Board. Um, VACA, the Victorian Aboriginal Child Care Agency, does have their family day on Saturday, which coincides with our um, home game um, for NAIDOC week, the Sir Doug Nichols round at home, playing against Thomastown on Saturday. They also have their um, family day. Um, that's only a few. VAC still have a variety night for the children. Um, there's so many different activities that people can be involved with. The round as a whole is being recognised as Sir Douglas Nichols' round. The AFL also have a round that's named the same when, when they celebrate their Indigenous round. Can you just give us, I guess, the, the importance of Sir Douglas Nichols within not only the Indigenous community but also the Australian culture as well? 
So Sir Doug Nichols was actually one of the founding members of the Aborigines Advancement League. Him, um, alongside of three other people, founded the League in 1957. He was also involved with the actual first day of... Um, the first day that was set aside for NAIDOC Day, which in 1937, before they did the um, protest, they set aside a day of mourning and they asked for the churches to pray for Aboriginal people throughout Australia. And then that happened in 1940. A lot of people joined. In 1957, that became National Aborigines Day Observance Committee. And then from there, it's been recognised as National Aborigines Day of Celebration. But he also was very important for the wider community. He was an amazing footballer. He played for Carlton and then for Fitzroy in the VFL. Um, he was an, a, even he was even a, a very good boxer as well. But he also became he was a great statesman for not only Aboriginal people but people throughout Australia. And he also became the governor of South Australia for a certain period of time. And he was knighted by the Queen. I think he's only, I'm not sure how many um, people in Australia, either non-Indigenous or Indigenous, who've been knighted, but um, Sir Pastor Doug Nichols is definitely one that not only was knighted by the Queen, him and his wife, Lady Gladys Nichols, but also he very well deserved. In terms of the round itself, and, and obviously it bears a great uh, great significance to the, the name of, of your football ground as well, being Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. How, I guess, how important is that to the community to have his name represented and, and you, your club being able to play its home games at that venue? I think that the Fitzroy Stars um, welcomed the Sir Doug Nichols Oval as their home ground. Um, as you are aware, they did take a while to find a home ground. And we had, a, had to do a lot of work with the Oval to make sure that it was able to be used for for them as a home ground. Um, people love coming to the league. And Sir Doug Nichols, um, Sir Pastor Doug Nichols, was one of the, because he was one of our great leaders, great mentors, he is very important to the community. So when they come here and they see the Sir Doug Nichols Oval, they see the murals that we have around, they see his face smiling at them then I think they feel very comfortable and they know that well looked after because that's what he did. His mission in life was to look after people. He was a pastor. He looked after a lot of people. And even today when you run into people and they'll tell you a story about him and how he looked after them. So it's very, very important that we recognise him, continue to have our home games played here and continue to be involved in the Sir Doug Nichols round. The club obviously uh, returned to the Northern, then Northern Football League back in 2008. Now, obviously, it has the, uh, the two senior football teams, obviously the, the seniors and the reserves, but also um, there's you know, a host of, of netball teams associated, junior football as well. Can you just give us the importance of the Fitzroy Stars Football Netball Club within the Indigenous community? I think the expression, it's more than a game, comes into play with the Fitzroy Stars Football and Netball Club. It's about place giving people a place to come and feel that they can, for a team that is their football club, their team. Um, so I think the club, we do a lot more than just field teams. Um, there's a lot of, you know, as you might be aware, our community, a lot of our people in our community are the most vulnerable members of the community. So what we do as a club is look after them. If we have anybody that has a need outside of the club, we, we try every way we can 
to make sure that that need is met. We also um, have found employment for a lot of our players. So, you know, it's a place where people can come and, you know, if they need a job, then we do our best to find them employment. Um, we've looked after people on a social level as well. So our club is more more than just a club and it really is about making sure that whatever we can do for the community, in whatever way we can do it, we will do it. And we've had a lot of successes. We were really pleased to start the junior teams. We did um, reduce that this year to one, but we did have three teams operating last year. Um, we've got four um, senior netball teams going this year and we also have two junior netball teams. So our club is growing. Um, it's not growing at the greatest rate that you could possibly say, but it's growing at a steady rate so that we can consolidate what we have and then go on to the next team. So we, we are hoping to put a women's team in in 2020 as well. So we're looking at um, widening the... Um, number of teams we've got and also given our young women the opportunity to play for Fitzroy Stars Football and Netball Football Club. And just keeping on on the football theme as well, you, you've mentioned uh, from the outset this weekend you're hosting the Thomastown Football Netball Club. It's the annual game for the NADOC Cup to be hosted at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. Um, can you just give us an insight into what that day will entail and the importance of, of that fixture on the Fitzroy Stars Football Netball Club calendar? Well, one thing I must say that we've got a really good relationship with Thomastown um, Football Club. They have really come to the party with regard to our NADOC game and they are willing to play us every year. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is it's a really a lot about reconciliation as well. We promote reconciliation between ourselves and other clubs. And as I said, Thomastown is one of those clubs that have been really willing to be part of that reconcilia reconciliation game, which we call NADOC Week. Um, they come every year. They bring a lot of people, a lot of spectators. We bring a lot of spectators, of course. We're probably the, the most spectators in the league, I would say. <laughs> but we bring a lot of people to the games, and that's really good for relationship building. So we've really built up a relationship by, by having the NADOC game and by having it with that team every year. It means that we all look forward to playing each other, and it's friendly fire. You know, yes, it is. It's competitive, and we're all looking for those points at the end of the season. But it is friendly fire. We have a competitive, a really friendly, competitive game. Well, Pastor Esme, I really appreciate your time and what I'm sure is a very busy week for yourself as the Australian community celebrates NADOC week. Uh, we wish you all the very best for the week ahead and, and also from a sporting point of view, all the best on the football field and the netball court this week as well. Thank you very much, Samuel. Great to hear from Pastor Esme Bamblett there. Boys, we're going to move into our look at Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. We are preparing to move into Round 12 this weekend, which will mean we are two-thirds of the way through the home and away season. Before we do that, we'll look back at the Round 11 results, which saw Hurstbridge 20 goals 12-132 defeat Lower Plenty 7-15-57. McLeod 13-9-87 upset Heidelberg 8-10-58. Northcote Park ended its long losing streak of six games, upsetting Bandura away from home 5-11-41. 
to nine goals, six sixty. The match of the weekend took place at Montmorency Park, where Montmorency ten sixteen seventy six went down in a thriller to North Heidelberg twelve seven seventy nine, and on Sunday West Preston Lakeside ten twelve seventy two was overrun by Greensborough twenty goals fourteen one thirty four. The Borough going on for their eleventh consecutive victory. Jarrett, you obviously saw the game out at Hurst Bridge, but before we go through that, what do you make of the round as a whole? Well, there, there were some massive results across the entire competition in round 11. Um, the one that kind of sticks out to me is Northcote Park defeating Bundarat Yulong Reserve. This is a Northcote Park side which started the season on fire and we thought they, they're going to really contend for uh, finals and maybe even a premiership this season, but uh, fell off and as you said, six straight losses has been a real unfortunate patch they've gone through and uh, when I saw the teams coming out for this game, I saw no Ash Close, no Jackson Sarsovich for Northcote Park. I thought this could, this is possible, this could get ugly for Northcote Park. But to their credit, came out, fought really hard, and and get a 19-point win over Bandura. So it just goes to show we 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 don't know what's going to happen in in Northern Football Napoli Division One. You can absolutely say that again. It's uh, amazing to think that they've you know lost their two key pillars in the forward half. They won't have Close for the rest of the year. It looks like he's done with a hamstring tendon injury. Um, obviously with Starsevich they're hoping to get him back later in, in the piece he's got a back injury but really gutsy win it's the second time they've beaten Bandura this year for the Bulls now that's four consecutive losses at home so what once was a fortress at Yulong Reserve is suddenly becoming a ground that the home side just can't win at and we know that their win at the ground so far this year they've had two one of them Rob we called against yeah. North Heidelberg where they were up by as much as eight goals and only just held on by the skin of their teeth. They also beat Lowell plenty at that ground, but a real concern for them now. And amazing to think when you look at the ladder as a whole that they're in fourth spot with a five, um, six win-loss record and a percentage of only 87. In years gone by, that might have you as low as perhaps seventh uh, or maybe even sixth, and yet they're still holding on for a spot inside the top four. But that will certainly change if they don't get a win this weekend. As it stands, that top three sides have a 10-point buffer, so you just about feel they're safe in the finals. And then you said it earlier in the program, you've probably got sides four through nine, Jared, that are fighting for the last two spots in the finals. But, Rob, it's been a remarkable start. Yeah, well, it, it's Division One. you know, it's just the results every week have just thrown up, you know, like uh, Lowell Plenty beating Heidelberg the other week. And it just goes to show, I've, I've said it all year long, that, that no side can go into any game and think they're just going to roll up and win because um, there's no doubt there's so much talent with, through the Division One competition that if one side's down and one side's got their tails up, they can beat anyone. And that just goes to show, the only exception you might would say is Greensboro. Greensboro keep flexing their, their muscles. Mm. They, they're mo- the most consistent side. They get challenged for a half, maybe three quarters, and yet they continually get the job done week in, week out. And you look at that, you know, we've... They've called two of their games this year, and you know they, you know the Tommy Bells. Um, well, you look at the midfield. You got Bell, Molyneux, Molyneux. Fennell. I mean, they, they've spat so deep, and then you think you've got blokes like Chris Clark. Um, then you get to the back line, and you know Nick Riddle. Now Dan McClendon's come back, Jack Johnston, and up forward they they spread the load so well. You talked about the challenges they get. I think they had the, the biggest challenge that they've had all year in the first half at the weekend. West Preston Lakeside took it right up to them, kicked three of the first four goals. 
led the entire first half, albeit you just sensed that Greensboro was getting on top in the back half of the second quarter, missed a few shots that, that meant that they were still down at, at halftime, but 13 unanswered goals. I know we had a chat on this podcast a few weeks back to the coach of, of the borough in Mick Harford, and we thought the month that came up at that stage was going to be their, their big test. They had a McLeod side, which was on the rise, followed by a West Preston side, which was finding form. They've gotten through those two assignments really comfortably, it has to be said, and now they take on both Heidelberg and North Heidelberg in the next two weeks. I mean, we, we, we need a side to, to be able to stand up and say that they're, they're capable of challenging. Having said that, we know that in years gone by, the side that has finished first, it's it's been a poison chalice, so to speak. They haven't got, been able to go on to win a flag, but I don't think we've seen a side as dominant as what no. Greens has been. But we do know they haven't played Heidelberg yet, and they do take them on this weekend. So that's going to be a massive game in the context of the season. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great matchup, and it'll be very interesting to see if Heidelberg can go close and how close they can go to the, this Greensboro side. And you, you kind of look at it from a Greensboro perspective, and it's amazing to think that, I know they wouldn't be thinking this internally, but they could drop the next two matches and to North Heidelberg and Heidelberg and still be a game clear on top of the ladder. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great position for them to be in, but they'll still want to go out in these next two weeks and really stamp their authority and say we are the team to beat. Just so hard to, to score against. I mean, they've only conceded 560 points, which, I mean, it's easy to, to throw out numbers, but that's 51 points a game over 11 weeks. I mean, that's incredible. Granted, we've had some heavy days of football, but they're just so hard to, to score through. Um, you know, we know Heidelberg's been able to score, and we saw it a few weeks ago um, in, in the game against Bandura, Rob, where they kicked goals in a hurry in that last quarter. I think it was eight in the last term in heavy conditions. So they have a forward line which is capable of causing headaches, but I think the competition needs someone to, to, to hopefully stand up and, and say that it's not going to be you know, a red-hot favourite going into the finals, given how close the competition is. Um, but you said it earlier, Robert, they are the, the standout side in it at the moment. Yeah, uh, look, you, you say those two sides, Greensboro and Holderberg, I still I still have a, a thing about North Holderberg. We've called so many of their games this year, it seems like we were doing uh, North Holderberg um, radio in the first month of the year. But um, their best, I believe their best, because they've got so many dangerous goal kickers, Shane Harvey, Burma Harvey through the middle, Biggs, uh, the list goes on. Um, you just never know. Come finals time, they're experienced, well-drilled unit with a couple of kids, young young brigade that have come through that Division Two cycle, who have actually got better through the Division One program. Um, you can never write off a North Holderberg, but for, for me, at this current stage, uh, after eleven rounds, there's really only three that potentially can win it. And if I'm just being honest, at the minute, I think the rest are making up the numbers for that top, those last two uh, positions inside the top five. Well, they have to, they have to show something, don't they? And, that, and that's, I think, the, the key thing about McLeod's win at the weekend because we uh, we talked about it in last week's program that even if they lost, they were still going to be in finals contention, but they would have played the top three all of them twice by then. And if had they lost, all they would have had was one one draw to their name from those six games. Now with the win, I think that gives them their, their mindset to think that they can challenge. And they were very undermanned at the weekend as well. We'll catch up shortly with the coach of McLeod, Christian Stagliano. But to think there was no Lucas Hobbs, no Matt Dornoff, no Anthony Doherty amongst the side they had at the weekend... And, you know, it's a bit similar to when they played North Heidelberg as well. They were undermanned that day and probably their best two performances of the year when they've had their backs to the wall. But the challenge for them now is now in games going forward, they've played the top three twice, got that all out out the way. They're probably in the box seat to play finals given that they're currently sixth, only two points outside of the five. Percentage is good, which 
probably doesn't come into it with the draw. But now when you're playing games where you know, you're maybe expected to win, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different thing completely than when you go into a game and you maybe have a free hit because you're not expected to, to get the result. So um, it's a big couple of weeks coming up for McLeod. Before we look at the games coming up this weekend, do want to touch on the game that took place at Montmorency Park North Oval at the weekend where... North Heidelberg kicked the opening four goals against Montmorency. Looked like completely running away with that victory there. It was good to see Jesse Tardio back in the lineup. From there, Montfort back, got back within 10 points at half time. After the main break, neither side kicked successive goals. It was goal for goal throughout the entire second half. As dramatic football as you could see, Mont took the lead early in the last through a goal and then a series of behinds to, to put them ahead. Daniel Harris replies midway through the quarter. And then thereafter, no goals kicked, but drama with a shot from Jai Robinson touched on the goal line. Paddy Fitzgerald hit the post in the, the last two minutes or so, and North Heidelberg hangs on. I've seen a lot of comments and heard a lot from that game, saying it was just a great game of local footy, two arch rivals. And unfortunately for Montmorency, that loss sees them plummet down to eighth on the ladder. They are just a win out the five, it has to be said. But had they won, they would have been potentially as high as, as fourth. It's amazing what one three-point result can do. And North Heidelberg now, with that win, it, as, as we've said from the start, probably you know, just about over the line to get a top three spot now. But great to see those close games and, and those real thrillers that you love to see uh, at suburban level. And I guess we'll touch on that, but also Jared, you were at Ben Freelay over where Hurstbridge, you know, really put Lower Plenty in a, in a bad spot now. Two games of percentage last, but at the same time, they're sitting ninth, and they have to be given a finals chance, given how good their forwards can look when when the midfield gets on top. Oh well, a hundred percent. And I said this according to the to the broadcast on Saturday afternoon, and said if if Hurstbridge play like that, they they're going to play finals, and they can challenge a lot of the the top sides in the competition because they they know how to. I know it's different when you get to Preston City Oval in finals time, but they use Ben Freely Oval so well there. They move the ball so quickly. Um, they've got a midfield group and a kind of a halfback group. Guys like Tyron Loder and Riley Reading going into Tom Simpson in the midfield. They they kick the ball long and they kick it well and they put it in the, the perfect spot for their forward line. Uh, and as it showed on the weekend, Cameron Cloak kicks five goals. Uh, Cooper Perrin kicks four. Cooper Barbera kicks... Uh, Perrin kicks five. Cooper Barbera kicks four. Um, it's just... They've got such a potent forward line, so if they can get the ball down there enough, it, it's just it's going to be such a struggle for for opposition defences. It does make a real logjam on the table, as we've said. Lower Plenty now they've got their work cut out to avoid relegation, given their percentage are effectively you know three games bottom of the table with with seven rounds to play. Um, this coming weekend, we've got five games all on the Saturday. Northcote Park at home to Montmorency. Isn't that a, a massive game, given both sides have at times looked in, in a relegation threat during the, the recent weeks, and all of a sudden now the winner there could be well in the five, given the fact Northcote Park's already there. They'll consolidate, but a Montmorency win could put them in. Granted, it's all depending on what happens at, at other games as well. It's it's so much riding on every single game going forward. So that game to take place at, at Bill Laurie Oval. McLeod back at DeWinton Park. They host Bandura. So um, for McLeod, we know that their first win of the year was against Bandura. And that was at Yulong Reserve. Now they host the... Bulls, who have only won, I think it's two of their past seven now for Bandura, so they need a response, and, and that game there, again, 
probably will be the winner inside the, the top five on the ladder. Lower Plenty is at home to West Preston Lakeside. It is getting dire in a way for Lower Plenty, and they need to start banking wins and um, very soon. But as it stands, even, you know, you could get to five wins this year and it doesn't get you out of the, the relegation spot. North Heidelberg's up against Hurst Bridge at Shelley Reserve where the Bridges can really test their credentials against the a finals-looking side. And the big game at Warringal Park where... Heidelberg takes on Greensboro goes that saying that's probably the, the big blockbuster this weekend yeah exactly I think that Heidelberg Greensboro game is, is going to have basically all eyes on it um, but as, as we said you could look at those games and you look at Lowell Plenty against West Preston and North Heidelberg versus Hurstbridge and the way the season's going we could see Lowell Plenty and Hurstbridge win both of those games it's, it's definitely um, a possibility but those those first two games North Park and Montmorency and then McLeod against Bandura uh, they're they're Genuine eight-point games heading into this last part of the season. Feels like it's finals, and we're only at, at round twelve, doesn't it? So some some big games coming up. Uh, as we've, we just mentioned, there we we will have a chat to the coach now of the McLeod Football Club, Christian Stagliano. His side, uh, he took over obviously the, the ruse this year, taking over the job from Gary Rams. He started the year Norton four, but since then have only dropped two games. They had their biggest win of the campaign at the weekend when they defeated Heidelberg by 29 points. All of a sudden, they're right back in the finals mix ahead of a massive game against Bandura this weekend. Here's the coach of the McLeod Football Club, Christian Stagliano. Christian, a massive win for your footy club at the weekend. Certainly going went into the match undermanned against Heidelberg, but produced arguably your best performance of the season. What did you make of that win? Uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a really positive win, to be honest, Emma. Thanks for that. Um I think as much as anything, one of the things we've been working towards all year is just trying to play consistent footy across the game. We've sort of had really good patches and games and, and then dropped away at different times. And I felt um, over the last month we've started to be more consistent. And, yeah, on the weekend that was another pretty good example of that, to be honest. You obviously went into the game. You didn't have um, your skipper, Anthony Doldy, no Lucas Hobbs, uh, Matt Dornoff amongst the outs as well. And, and obviously coming off a, a disappointing loss to Greensboro the week prior, what was the emphasis of the game going in against the side, which was second on the ladder and had touched you up the last time you played them on Anzac Day? Uh, look, yeah, they're, they're going really, really well. And obviously, um, I think the biggest thing for us was to focus on things we could control. Um, against North Heidelberg a month ago when we played that draw, we, we had a fairly similar side. Um, and the focus for us is, you know, always, it doesn't matter really who's in or out our side. It's one of the things we've sort of been working on all year. Um, as much as anything, just to focus on what we can control. Um, and that was that was the I guess the message going into the game that the side wasn't too dissimilar to a month ago. And as much as anything, there's a lot of things that are within our control. And if we look after those, we'll we'll always give ourselves an opportunity to win most games. We think third quarter you you piled on five goals to Heidelberg's one to basically have the game in in your keeping by three quarter time. Is is that third quarter the the best your side's played since since you took over? Uh, yeah, probably across the board. Yeah, fair to say, it probably would be. Again, we sort of we've had moments where we've it's been similar to that, but we haven't sort of done it for the full quarter or, or necessarily got the score on the board. At different times, we just haven't been able to convert it to the scoreboard. But yeah, the third quarter was really, really positive, and um, yeah, all elements of what we've been working towards sort of came through, which is great. Obviously, it was a, a difficult start to the campaign. You lost your your first four games and, and sat, I think, uh, just one or two spots off the the bottom of the ladder. But but since then, in the last seven weeks, you've only dropped two games one of which was a five-point loss at Hurstbridge, the other to the undefeated Greensboro. It seems like the side's really starting to, to build into the season and now obviously just two points outside of that top five. 
yeah, it's it's certainly been it was a certainly a really disappointing start to the year and um, it's been a bit of a slow burn to be honest and it's um yeah it's been it's been a positive month for six weeks that we've been able to I guess have some consistency in the way we want to play and probably a greater understanding of the way we want to play and the boys have really bought into it credit to them and we've had um, numerous changes most weeks so I think we had six or seven changes going into the weekend and, and credit to the whole squad because it's been a whole squad thing when we've had. I guess as many changes we have going into weekend like we did that across the board, um, that consistency is showing in our performance, which has been fantastic. And it has, it's been a, it's much more enjoyable than the first month. <laughs> just, uh, just imagine, I guess the, the one benefit that comes out of you know, having the, the turnover in terms of week in, week out is the fact you've been able to expose some new players to senior football at the weekend. Thomas Scott, best of field in the win over Heidelberg. We've seen players like Jordan Corelli, you know, really starting to make an impact at, at senior level as well. Um, what have you made of, I guess, the fresh faces that have, that have come through the side this year? Uh, look, it's something I love, to be honest, and um, it's certainly generated some excitement for the boys who have played in that side for a long time. And, um, you know, Jordan's been, you know, fairly consistent throughout the year. Um, and, you know, he obviously had a great game against Lower Plenty. And, and Tommy sort of played his fourth game on the weekend and, um, yeah, really pleased with his performance. And, 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 look, a lot of it's been credit to the older heads that have been around for a long time and, you know, the support for the younger guys that they've given and the encouragement they give them and just the faith they show in them on the track and in the game. Um, and I think, you know, as a club and as a side, we're reaping the rewards of having those younger guys out there and it's certainly provided some you know, great energy around the place, which has been fantastic. In terms of those more experienced players, how important was it to, to lean on them when, when, I guess, you first took the job, but then also to get you out of the, the hole at, at Norton Ford? They've obviously come from an environment where they've won a lot of footy games over the past three or four years in unfamiliar territory early in the season, but how important have they been in terms of turning things around? Oh, they've been pivotal. Um, like I sort of said with those younger guys, those younger guys, you know, need to have the confidence and belief. And um, it's been the older heads that have instilled that in them on the track and match day. Um, you know, and that, you know, that really stood out against North Heidelberg and probably has been the case since. Um, those guys that, you know, the core group of probably the six or seven that have played the last month that haven't been in and out of the side um, have been enormous. You know, whether that you know, Anthony Doherty, Justin White, Jack Bianchin, um, Brad Leggett, um, Hamish Painter, Liam Brandt, those guys, have, Daniel O'Brien, those guys have been enormous in instilling, you know, confidence in those guys um, and really supporting them and, and helping develop them on the track and game day. So, yeah, they've been super, that group. And look, the others have come in and out, Tawny and Hobsey as well, um, have played an enormous part in that, but the guys who are out there with them week in and week out have certainly played a huge part in it. In terms of going forward now, you obviously have a, a really crunch game again this week. They all feel like they're crunch games given how close the ladder currently stands, but Bandura at home, uh, obviously they're in fourth spot but have, have had their struggles in, in recent weeks. You've played them earlier in the year which culminated in, in you guys getting your first win, but how important is that game with potentially a spot in the top five at stake? Oh, look, with where we're at and the way we started here, it's um, every single week's crucial for us. We just can't afford to have that week off or that mentally have that week off or think that any game's a given game. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly even competition and this week's it's crucial because um, it's the next one, but you know, it's going to be no more important than the, the next six or seven, but certainly all our focus this week is, is on this game and we've sort of been talking about it with a few of the boys this morning about you know, how the importance of this game and the importance of um, following up the performance on the weekend this weekend again. I was going to just actually ask that. Obviously, you had the response at the weekend against Greensboro. You only kicked the two goals, albeit in very difficult conditions and, and you had that response the week after with, with that really good win over 
over Heidelberg, but how important is it now to, to be able to, to p- produce that consistent, consistently rather and uh, not just have that, that, that week where you're up because you've had a, a disappointing loss the week prior? Yeah, no, it's crucial, and it's like I, like I sort of mentioned, it's been a story of our year. Just you know, the inconsistency in games, I guess, um, and in quarters sometimes. So yeah, focusing on just being consistent, and I think that that's coming through understanding of the way we'd like to play, um, and guys having more confidence in themselves and in the side, and and a greater understanding of, of what we're trying to achieve as a side. So that consistency starting this week and you know following on from last week is going to be crucial for us. Obviously, your first year involved in in the club and, and with the league as well what have you made of, of the competition over the first 11 rounds uh, it's, it's incredibly even competition I can't remember seeing too much like it to be totally honest um, I think you know over the last month we've sort of seen results you know there's, there's nothing close to being predictable and that it, it's really even and that everyone's highly competitive and you're required to beat your best every week and be as consistent as you can be every week otherwise you'll get caught out doesn't matter who you are or where you're playing to be honest and well, I think that's that's enormous it's enormous strength of the competition it's a credit to the competition obviously it is it is that even but you have played now the top three sides twice so your run going forward in your last seven games sees you play sides fourth through to tenth there's certainly an opportunity there to, to be able to then push inside and get another finals appearance but in terms of the psyche in getting a win against a top three side how important is that then that if you do make the finals that you can have a real impact I think it's really important to, to validate what you're working towards as a side and for the guys to, um, especially with, I guess, a side that's sort of changed a fair bit over the last you know, 12 weeks um, and even compared to last year, it's really important for their belief, um, for them to understand what they're capable of and, and what's potentially ahead of them if we keep working towards what we've been trying to do. Uh, you know, like the, the result against North Heidelberg probably started that a little bit for us, but um, certainly the weekend against Heidelberg, who, like you said earlier, really... Um, gave us a good belting early in the year um, was really really important for the group well Christian well done on, on the weekend's performance we do appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast and all the best in this coming week's game as, as I guess your side really chases that top five position certainly will be thanks Samuel not a problem at all now turn our attention to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, where round 11 has been completed. It was an important round for sides looking to consolidate around the finals mark. Unfortunately for a few, they weren't able to do that. And the Fitzroy Stars, despite having the buy, will... All the results basically went their way and they suddenly are right back in the finals mix as well despite being upset by Watsonia prior to their break. So in round 11 we saw Banyul emphatically return to the winners list winning 25 goals 23-173 over Watsonia 6 goals 3-39. Diamond Creek scores were level against Whittlesey at halftime but they weren't able to go on with the Eagles after the main break going down 6 goals 12-48 to Whittlesey's 10-11-71. Epping 7 7 49 was no match for Eltham, 16-11-107, and perhaps again the biggest upset of the round was completed by St Mary's, who defeated Thomastown at Main Street Recreation Reserve, 11 goals 9-75 to 8 goals 14-62. The Borough are becoming the giant killers of the Northern Football Netball League. Yeah, like uh, year in, year out, they surprised me, the Borough. Uh, obviously come through the ranks, Division 3, Premiers, finally last year, and then for them to do what they're doing in Division 2 this year, it's unbelievable because, you know, they were domineering in Division 3 for many years without the flag and finally they got the flag and, and now they're causing headaches in uh, Division 2. So um, you can you cannot come up against a um, St. Mary's side 
any week and, and underestimate them because their best certainly can match it with just about any other side in the uh, comp. Well, I think internally, I, I remember after that grand final win last year, they kind of said straight away, we know we can match it with the Division 2 sides and we know we're going to be um, competitive in Division 2 and straight away they've shown that this season. Well, they've jumped into 7th spot as a result. They take on Watsonia this week. They're both 3-7 and seven, remarkably. St Mary's has a percentage of 72.35, Watsonia a percentage of 72.34. So the Borough in that one, I guess more than anything, it's um, you, know, you just want to be as high up the ladder as you want to be. I don't think either... I mean, where they are, you wouldn't think that either could be a, a final threat, but all of a sudden, St Mary's is a side that the top sides don't want to be playing against because they are producing some remarkable results when you think they've beaten Banyul, backed that up with a win over Thomastown and had some close losses before that. It was a great win given the fact that they didn't have Jacob Yeomans who would probably uh, be or would have been leading their, their BNF uh, prior to hurting his shoulder in the week, the win over Banyul a week prior. But it's the young kids in that lineup who are really starting to stand up at senior level and, and have a major impact. Um, we've seen in the best regularly players like Cantwell and Dean, um, Tane Cotters having an impact as well. Um, you know, and, and to think that they've got some key players out as well in that lineup. Uh, haven't had their ruckman in Jordan Kalia for for the past few weeks, but others are just standing up in in their in his place as well. So um, at the weekend, got the fast start, led by 26 points at quarter time. Within you know scores level by half time, but then to kick again just comes to to show how far they've come. And when you think with their first losses to Banyul and Thomastown, one of them by 100 over 100 points, the other by about 13 goals, to then reverse those and win next time around, I think that says a lot about the club as a whole. Well, I, I caught this the second half of this game uh, back in round one uh, after we called the Collegians game. I, I was lucky enough it was a twilight game down at Watsonia, and Watsonia towed them up that day. And you just feel they've grown ever since that. As you mentioned, they did get a couple of huge defeats earlier in the year, but probably finding your feet in a, in a higher quality division, you know, is always tough to do, especially when you're bringing new talent. And they are a young bunch of guys that, that won the flag last year. Um, but I think the uh, as far as the roles of, of form have reversed this time around, Watsonia have been struggling recently in the last few weeks. And, you know, you feel that St Mary's, with their form, with the runs on the ball, with those last two victories over some great side, that being Banyul and then Thomastown. Um, Thomastown will get two in a minute because they're struggling at the moment. Um, but, yeah, for me, St Mary's certainly on, on the way up and you wouldn't want to be playing them on the run home to the final. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing to think that yeah, what's only his last two weeks have been their, their worst two of the year. And that followed their best win when they beat the Fitzroy Stars. So, all of a sudden, um, their form line's gone down. St Mary's has gone up, and, and you're right, on the reverse fixture now at Watmore Park, the Borough probably going as favourite, and if you use the form line through Banyul, well, they've beaten the Bears two weeks ago, Watsonia has then been you know, smashed at the weekend by them, so based on, on that form line, you have to think that St Mary's goes in with you know the, the favouritism tag this week, which they might not have had so far in, in, in second division, and a chance to make it three wins on the trot as they look to go to four wins for the year. Uh, in the other games, I mean, Banyul, I think if you have to feel for what's in your way, the worst possible time to, to get a side like Banyul directly after a loss when they're breathing fire, they jumped them out of the gate, seven goals to one at quarter time. 
Um, they had obviously Brent Stanton back in the lineup at, at the weekend, but it's the the young kids of, of Banyol who continue to to shine through as well as the recruits, so to speak. And we know the blokes, uh, players like Stanton and, and Gumbleton. Uh, Chris Rattus wasn't there at the weekend, nor was Gumbleton, but those those headline stars are always going to draw attention. Jack Langford as well, but again, the the, the likes of Riley Lowton. Kai Yodji, they're, they're really uh, having a major impact on, on this senior side as well as, as, as young players in the team and and they're just as as important as, as some of the other players they've brought into the side in, in recent years in, in trying to propel this side through the finals and, and up into to first division football but that win at the weekend absolutely, I think, was a statement by Banyul and they didn't take kindly to losing the week prior. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's always kind of, when you're humming along at the top of the ladder you get that one little loss and some teams can kind of can throw their mental game off a little bit and um, some teams can kind of take a couple of losses after but then there's teams like Banyul who bounce back straight away they've got so much so many experienced guys and they uh, straight away this week come out 48 scoring shots on the day is just Huge. a phenomenal number and um, just unfortunate that Watsonia were the team on the other end of it and unrelenting as well up by you know at, at at halftime, 52 points, but unrelenting in the second half, adding 15 goals to three thereafter. Eltham probably did what was expected against Epping. The Blues did have some um, some moments throughout the game. Thomas Burnside been in great form for them across half back, and we talked at the start of the year that, that Lee Judd maybe too much was being left to him. Um, obviously, they had some some key injuries. Josh Stavely hung up the boots as well, and they didn't have Alec Buchan at times, and didn't have him at the weekend as well. But it's good to see others standing up, and and Burnside's been a real highlight for the a real positive for Epping throughout the uh, the 2019 season. Eltham, yeah, they get through that one, ticket off the list keep second spot on the ladder. They've got some, some big um, big games coming up in, in future weeks as well and they know that they have to just keep winning with Whittlesey bearing down on their tail as that hunt for second spot really heats up. The top three's got the big break. You think Banyol's just about done enough to secure the minor premiership but Altham and Whittlesey, in terms of just getting a finals place, they're at seven wins, three losses, 28 points. Then the... Look at Thomastown's on 20 points. We know the Stars are 18, having played nine games, but Altham and Whittlesey, they're getting closer each week to clinching a top four spot. So while the, the race is certainly on for the finals, it may only be one spot left. You look at Whittlesey at the weekend, we knew, knew that it's always going to be a danger game. Any game at Coventry Oval is a hard one for the visitors against Diamond Creek. The Creekers had been on the, the march back up the ladder with a few wins and, and a draw against the Stars, but Whittlesey went in to the game without probably their two best players this year in Xavier DeMarcy and Paul Higgins, but some of their others really stood up. Jaron Murphy, outstanding across half-back, kicked two goals. Chris McCabe was good. Uh, so too Mitch Andrews and Nathan Stefanol. And 23-point win for Whittlesey. That may be their best win of the year, given the players who are out of the lineup. Yeah, 100%. I think they've they've got so much talent and so many guys who have played years a, a few years of Division One footy when they were up there. So they come back into Division Two this year and uh, have been really impressive. Just just going going along consistently throughout the season, and um, and that talent will, will shine through towards the end of the season, and, and they can make a big splash ahead of finals. But um, to to miss Demarzi and Higgins and still go on and and. 
put on a comfortable, a pretty comfortable victory in the end. It's a it's a good sign for Whittlesey. And I know every side played in, in heavy conditions the week prior, but they had just about the heaviest of the lot out oh, yeah. of the showgrounds. That was a real slog, um, basically playing through puddles at times. So to, to back up after that, a massive win, it does leave Diamond Creek needing to really turn things around now. Um, they are outside the finals by only two points. I understand that, but um, when you looked at they haven't beaten... Uh, either of Whittlesey in two attempts, Altham and Banyul, um, it gets to a point now where they have to prove themselves against one of the, the proven sides in, in second division, and they just haven't been able to do that. Haven't been disgraced by any means, but just haven't been able to, to clinch that, that big win that's, that's going to show they're absolutely capable if they can sneak into the top four this weekend. Some important fixtures that are taking place, none bigger than the game at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval, where the Fitzroy Stars host Thomastown for the NAIDOC Cup. We'll get to that in a few moments' time. Elsewhere, we've got Altham taking on Diamond Creek. St Mary's is at home to Watsonia and Whittlesey playing Epping. I think we've already spoken about the St Mary's and Watsonia game. We all would expect that Whittlesey will start the warm favourite against Epping. Diamond Creek, perhaps an opportunity this weekend to prove their worth against an Altham side, which we know is in great form, but isn't you know the the same dominant side that we saw last year and has some key players out in recent weeks. We haven't had um, they won't have Anton Woods. Tim Curry's missed a, a few recent games as well for Diamond Creek. It's never going to be a better time than to produce that win this weekend. Yeah, I think that this is a, a real danger game for Altham Diamond Creek of. They've been playing some good footy as of late. Obviously, I was at the draw uh, last week against the Fitzroy Stars, and they, they play good footy in some very tough conditions. And uh, this is going to be one that it's going to it's really going to decide these teams uh, where they sit um, play, towards the end of the season. They played earlier in the year, and it was close enough. And, and Altham, you got the points, but it wasn't you know, a, a dominant victory by, by any stretch, but but won by a comfortable margin, about four goals. But I, I just feel for, for Diamond Creek, we've, we've, we, I said it a moment ago, but the fact they haven't beaten a top three side yet, also, you put Thomas down in the mix, it's a, they haven't beaten a top four side so far this year. If they don't do it this weekend, they're probably the margin may actually grow too much they can't chase it down in the back half of the year but they have to and we said the same thing about McLeod last week McLeod I know it's this separate division but was able to produce that result can they do it this weekend against an Altham side which as we said missing a few key players I mentioned Woods and Curry but also Jesse King's been a really good young goal kicker for them this year he's got a broken collarbone so perhaps the, the opportunity presents this weekend for the Creekers and, and the other game boys Sir Douglas Nichols Oval I know they're playing for the Nader Cup but Fitzroy Stars against Thomastown almost feels like a final. Stars haven't been in the top four this year. Potentially will jump in with a win, or, or in fact, they will jump in. They'll take Thomastown's spot, and the Bears, they're looking to arrest a four-game losing streak. Well, we're at... Uh, you speak of four-game losing streaks. We're at that uh, great game of local footy where they led for approximately 96% of the game and ultimately lost uh, after the siren which you feel, I said it on the day, could that be a spirit breaker for Thomastown? You know, they played unbelievable football against, at that stage, an undefeated side, and, you know, they they lost the game. So you've got to ask yourself, does that that's that play into your psyche as a team? And, you know... Um, you know, how, how do you how do you break burst the bubble? You know, is that is it on the training track? Is it through confidence, through your coach? Um, but like, just some of their stars have got to fire. You know, Shannon Ball, uh, Chadwick. I mean, the list goes on. Capici, Chapman, Felino. They've got a bunch of great players. So you feel like they've got the talent there to to pick themselves up 
off the canvas and go over Fitzroy Stars and give a, a really good Fitzroy Stars a challenge down at Sir Douglas Nichols uh, Oval. Well, I think that the issue for them, and you mentioned a few of the forwards, I think they're the ones that the pressure starting to build on since they were the only team to kick 100 points against Banu when they did it uh, back and, and to think that they had nearly 100 by three-quarter time on, on that day as well. But since then, in their losses, 72 points, 50 points and 62. Scoring certainly dried up, so... Massive challenge awaits. The last time the sides played, the Stars led for the majority. Thomastown got over the top late on Anzac Day. This is a massive one. So that game at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval. We'll take a short break on the other side of this. We'll have a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. We will now move into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 at the weekend. We saw a convincing win to an undermanned Panton Hill, 17 goals, 10, 112. Travelled to Mernda, who they defeated 7 goals, 4, 46. Laylor was no match for South Morang, losing 7, 9, 51 to 20 goals, 17, 137. Heidelberg West, 22, 15, 147 was far too good for Reservoir, 5, 5, 35. That win giving Heidelberg West its first victory since winning the first five games. So they've won five, lost five, and now added to their wins again. So going at six and five and back into fifth spot. And also at the weekend, Lorimer had one of its biggest tests for the year against Old Altham Collegians. The Turtles, as Robert Winston mentioned at the start of the program, led for the opening three quarters, but Lorimer finished with a five-goal to zip final turn to uh, win that one by 12 points, 11-13-79 to 10 goals, 7-67. So going into the uh, the season now, two-thirds of the way through, we've got Lorimer still top, 11 straight wins, 44 points. They're probably just about uh, home in terms of clinching a top two spot. Um, at worst, I think they can drop to second maybe, but uh, if they were to obviously still play Pantenhill and Kilmore in the back half, win one of those games, they're definitely going to finish top two at the very least. Um, so we've got Lorimer first on 44 points. Both Pantenhill and Kilmore are eight wins and two losses. Have a game in hand on Lorimer. Currently, Pantenhill's 244% ahead of Kilmore, 168. So those three sides look like they're certainties to play finals. And then you've got South Morang, Heidelberg West, and Mernda in 4th, 5th, and 6th. South Morang currently on 26 points, Heidelberg West on 24, and Mernda on 20. So the Demons are going to have to uh, do something special in the back half, but have shown they're capable throughout the, the most recent month until the weekend. And then Old Altham Collegians, Laylor and Reservoir round out the ladder. The Collegians, the ones looking the most dangerous for those sides, looking to get wins to play finals in the back six rounds of the year. Boys, the weekend as, as it was, some... I guess some expected results with Heidelberg West and South Rang winning against sides at the bottom end. I guess the biggest stories came from the games played at Lorimer Reserve and Waterview Recreation Reserve. And Robert Winston, we saw Panton Hill undermanned, had some stars out of that lineup, and you think there was no Scott Conti didn't or he didn't play and they also didn't have Cam Jordan. Joel McClellan still wasn't there and lost Matty Byron throughout the day. They were two men down for much of the uh, much of the contest and still run away with a, a comprehensive win, winning that one there by 66 points and jumping back into second spot on the table. Yeah, if you're relating that performance to a marathon run, they sort of uh, pulled away when they needed to and 
throughout. They just got stronger and stronger throughout the game. And I'll tell you what, uh, Boyden with the six goals, uh, Sadakis with, you know, the lazy four, Parks to Freeman to uh, Matty Byram went, went down um, through concussion. Looked look to be okay, which is a good thing, because I think when he first went down, Rob, we were a bit worried. It seemed like he did. It was at the far end of the ground, but he, he cladded into the behind post, but there was, was a break in the game. Good five-minute break, yeah, and it, it was, was pretty scary at the time because uh, he didn't move, but uh, thank, th- thankfully he actually did uh, walk the boundary to the bench, and uh, he seemed all right at the three-quarter time break. But, um, you know, with that, with that performance, P- Panton Hill, you look at their percentage, uh, sitting on around 240, that shows all the signs of quality side because when they win they, they're truly putting their uh, opponent to the sword yeah and, and I think they we got the, the perfect example of that the weekend I, you have to think that was a danger game going in they're playing a side that's won four in a row we mentioned the names not playing to think that it was a round where Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 clubs could play a 23rd player Mernda did Panton Hill didn't so they're starting you know 23v22 we're quickly down two on the bench so you're basically playing 23v20, but to pull away the, the, the way they did, that had all the uh, the hallmarks of a side that's uh, yeah really intent on going places this year. Yeah, and you just felt, as, as I said before, their performance got better and better. And, and, and the, and the uh, pressure tackling, that like some of the pressure acts that they were doing to Mernda, you know, sometimes Mernda were out on the open looking for the switch. Because they had three-on-one and putting the pressure on, they would turn the ball over constantly, Mernda, and made them look, look a little bit second rate, and then they would counter-attack that turnover and then end up scoring goals. And, and sometimes they, they were easy goals. And, and really, um, I said it on the call on Saturday, you can't fault Mernda's endeavour and effort. That that certainly was there. So from a coaching point of view from the Mernda camp, um, they, I think they would be proud of that, that, that effort because that, that's something that you can't teach um, to go out there with effort. So they've got a lot to work with, Mernda. A lot of young talent. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, I reckon in the years to come, that they've got a, certainly got a lot of 18, 19-year-olds that can, that, that their president mentioned it also, that they can really, they've stepped in under some difficult circumstances and really, uh, when they're sitting five and six, they should be proud of their efforts in 2019 that, thus far. Well, they've certainly got their season back on track from one and five. To be at five and six is a, is a fair effort, but you're right, young kids at times, it did look a bit like boys against men, didn't it? The Mernda Ford line, very young. Um, you know, some players to, to look forward to in, in future years as well. Nick Alikovsky is, uh, Alikovsky was, is one certainly that uh, I think down the track will, uh, will become a, a real popular name within the league. But um, young Edwards as well, um, he kicked uh, he kicked a goal on the day. Uh, Tyler Pierce kicked two as well. But they're coming up against defenders like Mitch Anderson, Brent Ryan, really experienced players who you know read the play well. And um, their defensive end holds up for Panton Hill and then up forward. I mean, Sadakis you know, jumped off a plane on uh, on Friday from a, from a trip overseas and straight into the lineup, kicks four goals. It's a, it just goes to show that they're so dangerous in that forward half and only going to get better when you know Byron's back fit and firing and uh, and also throwing Cam Jordan to the mix. Um, we talked about it from the outset. We know that Kilmore didn't play at the weekend. They had the bye. When you look at the, the ladder as it stands, we've got Lorimer top. Everyone assumes, I guess, or everyone's... As said at the start of the year, it'd be Lorimer and Panton Hill. We've talked about this a lot in weeks yeah. uh, gone by, but Kilmore's obviously right in that mix as well. So hard to beat at home. The good thing about the, the run home to the finals is that those sides all play each other, and one of those games takes place this weekend uh, where we've got the fixture at JJ Clancy Reserve, Kilmore up against Lorimer. Obviously, Lorimer's biggest test so far was travelling to Cracknell Reserve, which they did, and beat 
Panton Hill. One by a point, albeit Panton Hill kicked more than 20 behinds on the day. Now, this is their next biggest test as they try to keep this winning run going. Obviously, they've been up for a long time. Kilmore's had the week off, would have really set themselves for this game. Kilmore up against Lorimer, massive game, and I'm sure Panton Hill's hoping that Kilmore loses so that they have a clearer run to, to second spot on the ladder, but this is a massive game. I actually think it's the biggest game Kilmore's played since joining the Northern Football Netball League. Yeah, it'll be one that um, is, is a very interesting matchup because we can see sometimes teams can come out of that bye and maybe be a bit slow and a bit sluggish to start off the match and um, get jumped in that first quarter. And we can also see that um, teams that teams like a team like Lorimer they go with a very close match um, in um, in the, in the previous round against Old Altham and, and only um, win by 12 points in the end and uh, get challenged and they could come out and really want to make a statement this week against Kilmore. So. This, this, both sides, this this game could go either way for both of them, and um, it'll be very inter- interesting to see how this one plays out. Well, we know Lorimer at the weekend, they're missing Josh Williamson at the moment. He's been out the last two weeks. Mitch Golby didn't play, so we know that their forward end absolutely stacks up, but a bit, uh, a few of the key players out of the lineup at the moment. But midfield battles massive for mine. Look at Kilmore. Chris Ryle has polled. Uh, I think we had the stat last week, 38 of a possible 40 votes in his last four games in the Coaches MVP award. We know that they've got so much young talent. Him and, and Jeremy Topham are the two that really lead the way there. Uh, Lee Irons as well. So they're going to come up against the, you know, a Lorimer lineup, which uh, you know, for mine really spreads their talent there. They're hard to score against. Backline holds up well. Dangerous forward line, albeit is missing a, a bit of its star power. And then I think in the ruck, probably one of the most underrated players for Lorimer this year has been Michael Brennan. Really, he's uh, he's come across from, from Whittlesea um, and, and really stood up in, in that, that key position as well. So big job for him this weekend to ensure that... that Kilmore's midfielders aren't able to get you know the ball from the from the stoppage and, and run away with it as they've been doing in, in recent weeks as well. So looking forward to to that one there, Rob. Yeah, look, uh, I haven't actually had the benefit of seeing Kilmore play this year, but uh, by all reports they're doing quite well. Um, but obviously, I know a fair bit about Lorimer. Uh, you mentioned Williamson's been out for the last two weeks, but then you look at Dallas Kings kicked 26 goals thus far this year. Um, a veteran in that in that Lorimer side, but you know you go through their their midfield, um, Codus, Bradley Deed, Adam Dennis, the veteran, um, even even a Jackson Cecil Cecil plays that half forward mid role, and he and he's capable of kicking goals. He's kicked eleven to this uh, stage of the year. And of so course, Mitch Thompson, who's probably Mitch, the best well, player in third division. Mitchie Thompson, uh, former Northern Blues player, um, fantastic young man as well, um, and even uh, a Luke a Luke Wilson. Uh, another young gun midfielder. So for me, it's going to be about who wins this midfield battle. You had, you had in the playing coach, Justin Sherman, obviously AKFL player, um, followed by a strong defence, Ratchy in the back line. I mean, they've got talent all over the park. So uh, I know a fair few of these boys pretty well. But look, um, yeah, th- this is probably going to be their biggest challenge uh, thus far. Um, and yeah, like uh, I bet you they're looking forward to, to the challenge uh, up at Kilmore. Yeah, so it is a big one. As we said, we, we do know in the back half of the year that those sides all play each other. So it, I guess that's the, the beauty of it all, that whoever you know 
finishes in in that double chance is is going to have have to earn it in in the coming weeks. So finals come earlier in in a in a way for for those three sides. Other games coming up uh, this coming round. We've got Old Altham Collegians at home to Heidelberg West. Reservoir hosts Mernda and Panton Hill travels to Mill Park Lakes Reserve to take on South Rang. I think every game really means something. I think Mernda's going to be expected to go to Chris Park and get the win, but of the other two, South Morang, they're going to start as the outsider against Panton Hill. Much of that is because of the fact that they played earlier in the year and Panton Hill won by 20 goals, so South Morang's worst loss for a long, long time. The Lions will feel they've got a point to prove. They've nearly beaten Lorimer at home this year, um, but they'll have to improve significantly on that, that previous performance against Panton Hill. And Old Altham Collegians, will Heidelberg West has to just keep winning. Potentially, if they get the win and, and South Morang loses, that would put Heidelberg West back inside the top four. But Old Altham Collegians is proving to be a side that's the most dangerous for those that can't play finals, but they can certainly shape the top four and Certainly no easy game playing them as Lorimer learnt at the weekend and this game at at Altham College, massive danger game for Heidelberg West. Yeah, well we spoke about in Division 2 St Mary's, that side that teams don't want to play in the run home. Well, Old Altham are kind of that side in Division 3 and, and Heidelberg West, they're, they're, hopefully they've got their mojo back and after five straight losses they, they can come back and, and get a few wins on the board to, to round out the season and they'll... They'll look at this one and they'll see South Morang hosting Panton Hill. Panton Hill will go in as favourites. And if Panton Hill get the job done, there's a, a wide opening for Heidelberg West to jump into the top four and uh, get the win over Old Altham. So that they'll go. They'll be really excited for this one. And um, there's there's a lot riding on this on that match. Absolutely, there is. Obviously, Heidelberg West really went on with the job at the weekend against Reservoir, and that tends to happen when you haven't had a win for a while that you really start to to enjoy yeah. being ahead, and, and they stretch the way at, at every break there. Um, with Old Altham Collegians, one play that's really starting to have an impact for them or, or has had an impact all the way since joining is, uh, is Kieran Malone. He's been there the past month and basically been their best player every week. He kicked five against Lorimer, obviously a premiership player with Banyul a few years ago, also played senior footy with Altham and a handful of games at, at, uh, at Lowell Plenty as well. But he's been a, a key signing for Old Altham and I think plenty of time will now go into quelling him when, when sides come up against the Turtles. So there's your games this coming weekend in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. As we said, massive weekend right across the Northern Football Netball League. It is Sir Douglas Nichols' round. Uh, we have uh, action returning to Friday nights with the netball back after having a week off for school holidays. Obviously, uh, Saturday is a full complement of games with the, the senior men's competition. And then Sunday, it's a, a full round of fixtures with round 11 in the w- three senior women's competitions. Also, with juniors returning to action as well. So it is a big weekend coming up in the Northern Football Netball League. Robert, Jared, thank you for joining us on episode 14 of the NFNL podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Samuel. And also to everyone that has tuned in. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the NFNL podcast. <laughs>